You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your brains, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, AJ Andrews of JaysFromTheCouch.com. I know it's Friday. I know the fans usually have their say on Friday, but we are going to skip that this week. We're going to come strong on Fan Friday next week to get your thoughts on spring training and what the Blue Jays are doing and all that. However, when you're sitting on an interview this good, you want to get it out to the public as soon as possible. So to continue this new trilogy that we started yesterday, which y'all should go back and listen to yesterday's episode. We bring you part two of our three-part series with Blue Jays play-by-play voice Mike Wilner and the conversations we had regarding the Blue Jays batters so far in spring training. So let's dive right into it. So we are back talking with Mike Wilner of Sportsnet 590, the play-by-play voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, still with us, still giving his time. Very much appreciative. So... Mike, we spent a lot of time talking about not Blue Jays things, so maybe it's time we talk about Blue Jays things. Maybe I should maybe I should start leading us there. If if you're I'm happy right. to go wherever you want. <laughs> well, I I I there's a lot there's a lot to get to so far. And at the at the time we're recording this, we're about a week into spring training. Already, a lot of stuff has happened. We finally have games to talk about. Again, which is beautiful. I missed having that. Um, so I want to start going around what you've been able to see with the Blue Jays so far and what the perception is coming out. And like I I will I will preface this by saying Yes, it's only been a week. Yes, a lot of the pitchers have only made one appearance. The batters have only gotten in two or three games. But we need content, so we're going to create some content out of this. So just just pack that small sample argument away for a sec and, and just let us let us go through this and we'll we'll hopefully have some spirited debates to make it worth suspending that disbelief. So it's it's a trap that's impossible not to fall into in spring training. Because it's the only baseball we've seen for months, you know. Like you said, you're so happy to have it back. We're all so happy to have it back, and and we live in a world where people want to draw conclusions, where they want to know what's going to happen before it happens, and and there are people who insist that they can tell you what's going to happen before it happens. I'm not one of those people. I don't believe in that. But this is the only baseball that we've seen, so. Um, yeah, nobody's had more than two at-bats in a game yet, pretty yeah. much. And, and nobody's even thrown a third inning uh, in a game. Trent Thornton leads the Blue Jays with three innings pitched. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's, there, it's impossible to draw any conclusions about anything, but we have had six and one-third games to this point that we can definitely talk about. Mm. Well, um, but... Yeah, let's um, yeah. Well, let's start start with this then. Why is Boba Shet sucking so bad, and why is he going to be so terrible? 
this year. Right, and Vlad <laughs> struck out twice today. Beat Boba Shett and Lourdes Gurriel have a combined one hit in spring. Why are the Blue Jays doomed? Yeah, I think it just shows that last year for the both of them was a complete mirage. And, <laughs> you know, neither of them can, and the Blue Jays have unfortunately uh, hitched their wagon to two massive busts. What are you going to do? Uh, it's Russ Adams all over again. That's right. Uh, but Bichette, um, he played Tay. I don't think he, yeah, he didn't get any hits because the whole, they ran out eight starters, depending on how you see Reese McGuire. And he's probably going to share catching, if not be the number. He's, I don't think he's going to be the number one catcher, but he's going to catch a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ran out eight starters and they combined for one hit. And so... Uh, you know, not the way you're going to draw it up, but again, none of it matters. Um, we, we, you know, we saw what Bo could do over two months. We hope for improvements from Guerrero. I found it really interesting that Guerrero, um, in his first at bat of the spring, hit a fly ball to deep left center field for an out. But after hearing all winter, He's got to lift the ball more. He's got to put more balls in the air. He's, you know, the, the launch angle, launch angle, launch angle. Uh, first, first at bat of the spring, he put a ball in the air and he got out. But um, he's also still shown that sort of advanced hitter where if you leave him a hole on the right side and he's deep in account, he'll just poke it through. Uh, and I love that about him last year. And I think that's going to um, keep him from going into super prolonged slumps unless something like last year happens where he just totally ran out of gas in September. Um, I've, I've enjoyed that advanced hitting approach. Bo's Bo, you know, I, I don't know that his, um, that he's got the swing that's going to prevent slumps here and there. We did not see any slumps at all last year. Um, but the one hit that he did get was a hard line drive the other way. So I dug that. But, yeah, he he came to the plate three times today, and we're talking on um, Thursday, I think. I have no idea what day of the week it is. But <laughs> it's, just the, it's the first time he's had three at-bats in a game. So um, I'm, I'm not worried. I've enjoyed that Biggio seems to be more aggressive more like he was in September where he's not letting really good hittable pitches go by early in the count. But honestly, and, and you know it as well as I do, the only thing that matters is that they, um, they come out of here in one piece. Mm, exactly. And, and, you know, I was being very hyperbolic. Oh. I, I, I'm, I'm performing, Mike. I gotta be able to, Look, this, you're, you're, you were at least saying it tongue-in-cheek. I know that there are a lot of people who aren't. <laughs> I know. It's it's silly uh, a little bit. So moving on to the second part part of that examination, is Rowdy Telez going to be an MVP this year, <laughs> given how he's been hitting? I'm... I say that, I say that tongue-in-cheek as well, but I was really surprised when a lot of people that I was I was following seem to be handing the first base job to Travis Shaw automatically. Um, Rod- 
Rachel has has come into spring looking a bit tr- for Rowdy. Uh, yeah. For Rowdy. For Rowdy. I was, I'm, I'm, I not, was not I'm not. I'm <laughs> not. I'm not saying he's model level, but right. He. You know what's really interesting? Um, here's what's really interesting is that you're not alone in talking about what a great spring Rowdy is having so far, and um, you know, going into yesterday, I think he was leading the major leagues in RBIs. Uh, and what's interesting about that is that I have seen every game the Blue Jays have played this spring but one. Mm. And I haven't seen anything special out of Rowdy. But the one game I didn't see, the split squad game in Clearwater on the road when Nate Pearson was pitching um, in Dunedin. So I went to that game. He went on the road and he had a three-run homer. He had an RBI double. And all his numbers from the spring are basically based off of that. In the games that I've watched, well, he did have that little line drive two-run single in the, in Fort Myers. It was sort of, he sort of went with the pitch and hit it the other way. It wasn't a laser beam by any means. Um, but he's just been okay. But he had that one great game in Philly, and when there's only a week of games to talk about, one really good game can skew all the numbers. Mm. Um, it happened with Anthony Alford. Last yeah. year or the year before, with, and this with, year, let's let's yeah, not get that right? twisted. Because I think a lot that, that Saturday, that Saturday game, all the three bases, I've been like, oh, Anthony Alford's back, and then he struck out like in four of the six at bats since then. Right, and he dropped a pop up in uh, the next day in Fort Myers, um, but a couple of springs ago it was Anthony Alford is having this incredible spring, and really it was just four game game patch where he hit, I think. Uh, I don't know, 11 hits or something in four games. It was ridiculous. Um, but that was it. And that's the sort of thing that spring can do. Um, Travis Shaw was brought in to be the everyday first baseman, and Travis Shaw is going to be the everyday first baseman. And Browdy may not make the team, um, depending on what they want to do with Fisher and Alford, and uh, depending on you know whether they've decided Joe Panic missed what Brandon, what they want to do with Brandon Drury. Uh, Rowdy Tellez is very, very much on the bubble and in the games that I've seen which are also the games Charlie Montoyo's seen he's been fine he's been okay nothing special uh, but he did have that huge game against Phillies that that have uh, that changed the perception of all his numbers uh, for me last year there were way too many uncompetitive at bats from Rowdy to Les and he was by far not the only one there were way too many uncompetitive at-bats from Randall Gritchin. There were way too many from Teoscar Hernandez. Even though Teoscar had an OPS of like 920 in the second half, it really didn't feel like it. Um, so Rowdy's got to be better at pitch recognition. Rowdy's got to be better at not chasing. Rowdy's got to be better at putting a quality at-bat together on a consistent basis. Uh, and And that, more than anything else, I think, is what's going to serve him well. Now, what sticks in... Charlie Montoyo's mind, and this is why, like, the front office tries to separate emotion from the decision-making process, and it's not just these guys. Alex Anthopoulos did that as well. He was a big proponent of taking all the emotion out of those decisions. Um, is that Rowdy hit some really big home run games last year, a lot. Mm. And so that's what sticks with Charlie. That's why Montoyo wants him. But we'll see what the overall decision is going to be. 
Well, the decision here is that we need to take a break, but don't worry, we will be right back with more with Sportsnet's Mike Wilner right after this. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, and and you did bring up Joe Panic there, and I, I do want to mention him as well. Just because the way Charlie Montoyo seems to be deploying him as that kind of second baseman shortstop, which Panic hasn't played at the major league level, but seems to be getting into work and to be more that that versatile infielder guy. Obviously, Panic would need to be added to the 40-man roster. So does this really put the sword of Damocles above Brandon Drury and, and his tenure with the Blue Jays? Or do you see another move that would get panic onto the roster. I mean, I I think that 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 also goes to our it's only the end of February argument. I think generally, like this is my spring training, and um, in almost all twenty of them, there's been so much. I've talked so much. Um, people have asked me so much about trying to figure out the roster um, and who's going to make the team and who's not and how are they going to make this guy fit and how are they going to make that guy fit. Um, And then, you know, on March 18th, somebody gets hurt and it's all moot. Mm. Um, I think that's probably things just wind up working themselves out that way. Um, So that those decisions get made for you rather than having to worry about making that decision. I think that they had to put Tim Mesa back on the 40 man roster. If memory serves, but I could be completely wrong about that. I, um, which is why I'm kind of trying to check as well. <laughs> I, th- I think they outrighted um, him to Buffalo. Oh, okay. Then so. Never mind that thing. Cause <laughs> I was going to say that he, he's got to go on the 60 day and he probably, um, you know, the, the right thing to do would be to bring him back um, and put him on the 60-day. But, you know, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get waived and claimed and lost. Um, something's going to happen that's going to open up a, on the 40. And there are guys on the 40 whose grasp is tenuous i think whether it's brandon drury or billy mckinney or jonathan davis if anthony alford doesn't make the team he goes through waivers and i don't think he makes it through waivers Hmm. i I think that detroit will grab him or baltimore will grab him baltimore will grab anyone so yeah yeah right (laughs) um so i i think that that a spot will open somehow I'm wondering about Brandon Drury because, you know, Brandon Drury has shown us absolutely nothing in a year and a half as a Blue Jay, but um, he came over in the J-Hap deal. He mm-hmm. had a couple of good years, very young in Arizona. So there's something in there, and I don't think that they're um, – I, I think he's got a lot of rope still. So I wonder – 
what's going to go on with him. But I know a lot of Blue Jays fans would be totally fine if the Jays just said, well, we've had enough of Brandon Dury. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I do remember those Arizona years. That's why I was kind of excited when they did get Drury in the Hap deal, just because I, I actually do remember when he was good. But Yeah, he was legitimately good. He could hit and everything. Yeah, just kind of... We just haven't seen it. Yeah, just kind of got wrecked by the lack of stability. He kept getting moved around the diamond, and then, of course, the Yankees, just, the Yankees had no use for him, so... Yeah, and the broken hand, too. I think that, yeah. that hurts a lot, and, and it's easy to forget about. Um, you know, Edwin Encarnacion broke his hand, and, and he was... Uh, it took him three years to become a productive hitter again. Lyle Overbay broke his hand, and it took two and a half years for him to get it back, and he was never the same again. Uh, and Brandon Drury broke his hand in 2018. So, you know, maybe they cut bait on him, and he starts to hit again next year. Maybe he starts to hit again this year. Maybe he never does, but I think that had a lot to do with it, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, one other question about the batters, and then we'll move on to the pitchers. But who's been your favorite Blue Jay batter to watch that the average fan may not think of immediately with the caveat that you, can, that you cannot pick Alejandro Kirk? Why not? Because everyone picks Alejandro Kirk because they He's love him. He's my favorite. Him. They love How him. How can you not love Alejandro Kirk? It's so easy to do. That's why I wanted to make it difficult and say you could not pick him because everyone's on Alejandro Kirk now because they watched him go back in base and they fell in love. So he's he's too well known. Can't pick him. I was on him early. I fell in love with him last year. I'll say that. <laughs> um, and I think he played like one spring training game last year and uh, I mean, how can you, it's 5 8 to 20 or whatever it is, and a tremendous athlete, an unbelievable hitter. Um, today he came up in the ninth inning, and there was no question that he was going to get ahead, and he did. Um, so, uh, it, it, you know, I always have a soft spot for Alejandro Kirk. Um, so who's my favorite to watch that people wouldn't necessarily like think, think of. of? Immediately. Okay, so Vlad's out. Yeah. Um, so since you said Kirk, it can be someone who's not on the 40-man. Yes. Then I'll go with Ryan Noda. Interesting. Ryan Noda, I mean, I don't know that he's specifically fun to watch while he's staying played and, and being a hitter, but the incredible efficiency with which he uh, fails to get out is amazing to see and i think he's been in one spring training game uh opener of td ballpark on monday afternoon he came to play twice and he walked and he doubled and that's what he does i mean ryan noda has a career on base percentage as a pro of 422 um he, he was a university pick and not highly regarded or anything uh, and then he went to like rookie ball and had a 507 on base in 66 games in his first year. Um, he just refuses to get out, and I love. Mm. Fun fun fact: I do know about Ryan Noda. He's one of the only people who can claim to have hit a baseball on top of the University of Cincinnati's basketball stadium. Because All right, there you because go. the 
the baseball was like right next to it and he just knocked it right onto fifth third which is a very weird name for a basketball stadium but i don't own naming rights right but i think that's the name of the stadium in dayton too where the the dragons play it's fifth third stadium yeah that's a that's a mouthful that's like roof's chris steakhouse or something right what a country i'm in right (laughs) i again you you are there complaining about going down to seven tonight and i'm here wondering if i'm going to have to chip icicles off the icicle lights on my balcony so my apologies (laughs) i was gonna say you can i i will trade if you want i i can make for tea so you can come back to canada and i'll go down there i've never been to nova scotia you really should i um you know what the the perfect time to come is actually right after the baseball season in the fall because then you get then you can like rent a car you can drive through Cape Breton you can see like the explosion of colors and and just kind of go through there and it's still relatively warm so there's there's your travel tip for the day all right come to Nova Scotia when it's fall I like to travel with the kids so. I have to, you know, kind of time it for when they're off school, but mm. maybe I'll, I'll get one more Thanksgiving weekend off this year before the eight-year playoff run begins. <laughs> I'll do it then. Exactly. That's that's the perfect time to do it. And then, you know, you can you can have that memory, and then you can just watch playoff ball after playoff ball, and you won't be thinking about traveling traveling much. Right. And that's where we bring this second episode with Mike Wilner to a close. Just a reminder, if you're not following him and if you're listening to my podcast, I can't imagine that you aren't. Follow him at Wilderness590 on Twitter and tune into him on the radio to hear that Blue Jays goodness. You can follow me on Twitter at A underscore J underscore Andrews. The underscores are there because Twitter is dumb. You can subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, wherever you get podcasts, you can find Locked on Jays. So make sure you don't miss an episode. And you can follow the podcast at Locked on Jays on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So until we bring you the exciting conclusion on Monday for everyone at the Locked on Podcast Network, everyone at jaysfromthecouch.com, and for Mike Wilner, This is AJ Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.